Hey, you're listening to an Upbeat Rewind featuring Rob Pilecki on October 19th, 2020. Rob is a former elected official turned entrepreneur. He is the inventor and CEO of Washi, a new generation of clean and cleaning products. Their feature product is actually a toilet seat that provides an easier and cleaner experience for people in public restrooms. And in this episode, we talk about Rob's story of going from an elected official to now being a successful entrepreneur with a so-called crazy idea. We dive into his experiences with Shark Tank and also how the COVID-19 pandemic really affected his business. You're listening to an Upbeat Rewind featuring Rob Pilecki. This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Rob, thank you very much for being on Upbeat. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Parker. Good to be on the show. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you. Uh, and I, I love starting with story to get the audience introduced to you and, and to share a little bit more about you. So if you could just share share more about yourself with us, uh, kind of how things got started for you, maybe what, what it was like to be Rob Polecki growing up, like what you were like as a kid, how you got to where you are now, uh, just yeah. anything you want to share to how you got to where you are today. Okay. Sounds good. Um, I am an immigrant to this country. I came to the States when I was 12 years old from New Zealand. Uh, my family and I moved over to Hawaii first. And uh, so I uh, came here when I was 12, went to high school here. I, I uh, picked up the sport of football. I played rugby uh, prior to that and didn't have any clue how to play football. I learned it in high school. Uh, was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to go to college here in uh, Idaho. And um, that's what brought me to the States. So, yeah, when I, when I graduated from Idaho State University, met my wife. Uh, we currently have four kids. Uh, we both are social workers, um, you know, started in as a, as a career in social work. And, um, you know, we, we, we served our communities. After uh, getting kind of burned out from social work, um, you know, putting a lot of the my cases or the the clients that I served before me and my family, I got burned out and my mental health kind of went down the drain. Um, I needed to switch careers. So <laughs> being the smart guy that I am, I went into politics um, and and <laughs> politics um, kind of geared me and, and, and got me ready for the world of uh, entrepreneurism. But um, I was elected official in the state of Idaho. Uh, for about five years. I've always been in government. So uh, going from government to, um, you know, being an entrepreneur is, is totally different. But, you know, from politics, now I'm in the restroom industry, same crappy business. Uh, and um, yeah, that, you know, that's just a quick, quick uh, deal on me. I, I um, you know, as a kid, my parents, you know, I, I didn't grow up rich. Um, we weren't, you know, we weren't poor, but, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have money. And uh, my parents used to make me go sell things door to door. We were always doing things on the weekend to try to make money to, um, to feed the family. And so I've always had a side hustle in me. Uh, and then I've always had the nine to five. And I finally figured out that I need to make the side hustle a full-time gig for me. So, you know, and that, that's what got me into the, you know, becoming an entrepreneur. Awesome. Good brief rundown. Thanks for sharing that with us. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, and I'm sh or go ahead. What's that? Oh, no, it was kind of all over the place, but that, that's a quick one on me. 
Yeah, well, and I'm sure people are wondering, and they probably got the hint from the introduction as well. But when you said you're in, uh, you were in government, and now you're in the restroom business, and it's the same crappy business. How exactly did you transition from going to being an elected official? I understand to being someone who's now in the in the quote unquote restroom business. <laughs> so one day, um, I was at my desk and. Uh, I was the county clerk in Van County. Nobody knows what the county clerk does, but the county clerk of every county has the most responsibility. Manage, uh, you manage the county budget. Mine was $67 million annual budget. You have the most employees, 60 plus employees, uh, seven departments. I ran the court systems in the county. I ran the elections. I guess my name was on everything in the county. Um, and one day I was sitting at my desk and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, my hair is going gray. There's so much stress in this job. I, I, I'm the person that has a list and lists of ideas. I, I, looked at, I looked at the list of ideas that I had, and I was like, listen, I'm going to pick one of these things, and, and I'm going to start. And um, the idea was, you know, I was at the Salt Lake City Airport with my son. He's doing the potty dance, and we wait in line, and a stall opens up. We go in the bathroom, stall opens up. And, um, you know, we, we encounter a dirty toilet seat, um, you know, it's got pee all over it. So I get the toilet seat cover, wipe it down, get the toilet seat cover, put it on. And my son's four and he's like, no, nah, I'm not sitting on that thing. What is that? And you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put him on there and he's like fighting me. He doesn't want to sit on it. So, um, you know, there's a line, people are waiting for us. So I go and grab some soap and uh, paper towels and I, I clean the seat off for him. And so, you know, to make sure it's clean and then, you know, he sits down and takes care of business. And that's when the light bulb, you know, came, came into play. No, nobody has solved this paper toilet seat cover problem. They don't work, you know, they're really inefficient and no one likes them. So, you know, out of all the ideas, I choose this one. And now I'm in, I've never been in toilet seat sales, but you know, now I'm in the toilet, you know, the restroom business. So that's how it came about. Awesome. And what the business is now, it's called Washi, right? Correct. So um, Washi Toilet Seat, it's the, the world's first smart toilet seat for public restrooms. Uh, you wave your hand over a sensor and cleaning solution rises to the surface of the seat and you grab some toilet paper and simply wipe the seat down before you use it. So we are taking over paper toilet seat covers. By the way, don't use them. They, they're absorbent. So anything that's on the seat, We'll see through. They're really just psychological. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really protect anything. I've always kind of wondered that, actually. Yeah. It's like, what is, <laughs> why is that even a thing? Yeah, there are people are wasting their money buying these things. It doesn't work. So, yeah, well, that's crazy. I mean, the thing is, one thing I love, though, about it is everybody thinks something is crazy until it exists, right? Like people thought flying was crazy. Uh, and now that we, we can fly, like everyone thinks it's just such a normal thing. Well, people probably, I'm assuming have thought what you're getting into is a little bit crazy. And now that it's a thing, like eventually it'll surface to be this very regular thing that we all like take for granted and don't appreciate enough and all that. So I guess what has yeah. been your experience with, Maybe some of the, the ridicule that has come from this. Oh, Parker, tons of doubters. You know what I mean? I, I have um, encountered, plus my close friends and family have, you know, 
had made comments uh, when, you know, it was in the beginning stages of it, when I had these ugly prototypes, I was up at, you know, all hours of the night making these prototypes from Home Depot. And my, my friends would be like, Rob, what are you doing? Like the doubters, you know, and even to today, when, when they see, you know, this is not going to work, it's not going to work. But um, the first advice I give to entrepreneurs is never listen to your friends and family, see the vision and go after it, right? A lot of people uh, that will give comments are people that just uh, can't see themselves doing this or uh, can't see the innovation and creation of, of products. Um, you know, not, not everyone is like the entrepreneur, right? Um, so uh, tons of doubters, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through it all. Um, but as I've grown the company, as of, um, you know, every step of the way, uh, people begin to follow, not because they love toilet seats, it's because they love the drive that I have and that I won't stop until I'm, I'm going to win. Um, and that's what why people follow me a lot is because they like they love to see me uh, go through this journey. And, it, and it's like Airbnb or Uber, right? When Airbnb and Uber first started, who would have thought that you were going to sleep in someone else's bed or you were going to jump in someone else's car? That That idea... When it, when it didn't exist, that idea was was you know for, it was alien like like no that you can't do that. And once they started to do that, now look how many people look how well these companies have, have um, done because of this idea that is just out of this world, right? That's how I think about Washi. Um, you know, it's nothing. Nothing has ever been done like this. Uh, we're we're an innovative product, and uh, you know I don't have many doubters now. A lot of people see it, in, and because of COVID, a lot of people see, oh, we need this now. We need this now. Um, but, you know, early on, you know, I've been going at this for five years. Early on, I've had so many rocks thrown at me and like, Rob, get rid of this idea. Do something else. So it's been a journey. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it, it kind of makes sense for like the staging of a bathroom, I guess. You know, everything seems to be kind of hands-off, hands-free, like you can use a sensor to get the soap for your hands. You can, if you're a, a guy, I, I only know guy restroom, obviously, but you literally don't have to touch anything. You can just walk away and the toilet flushes itself. And so it makes sense to have this kind of addition. Um, and then, yeah, as far as like what you were just sharing about, you know, the haters and how now you don't have as many, I really resonate with that too, because I started beatboxing when I was nine years old and man, growing up and trying to beatbox, like people thought it was really terrible at first. Like I was a lunatic. So I was just spitting everywhere and it sounded bad. Uh, and then as I got better, people thought it was cool, but they were like, oh, you're never going to make money doing that. Like you can't have a career doing that. You've just got to, I mean, it's a cool talent to kind of do for fun or for the kiddos, you know? And then I had a video go viral and get over a billion views on Facebook and get some a McDonald's commercial and some speaking gigs. And ultimately it pushed me onto this path that now I have this podcast and I'm, I'm in a totally different space than I ever thought I'd be because of beatboxing. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, I knew it all along. I was there all along. <laughs> I'm so glad that you have it now. And yeah. that sounds like kind of what you went through as well. Oh, big time. Parker, I, see, I, I, I saw the video, the, the straw, you know, you beatboxing, and it's like, I started beatboxing. I'm like, oh, let me get into this, you know? <laughs> I started beatboxing, but you got a talent. And a lot of people um, that can't see themselves doing it or can't see the vision or can't see that, you know, 
the innovation and creation about it um, just don't process in the brain that 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 way. So it's okay. It's nothing against them. It's just that their mind doesn't work that way. A lot of entrepreneurs have open minds, like the journey, the the vision. So um, yeah, man, I'm I'm proud of what you did, man. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah. And with your story too, it's just like the basics of entrepreneurship, you know, like you found a problem and you figured out a way to solve it. That's literally like what entrepreneurship and is and what it's like to start a business is just solving people's problems. So that's, I commend you for doing that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's been some hate. It's good that you've kind of just, you know, uh, put the blinders on and kept pushing forward and not letting those things bother you. Uh, but I definitely want to transition into maybe more of what's happened through this COVID. You brought it up through this COVID-19 thing. Uh, you brought it up a little bit, but how have things been for your business through this crazy time that we're in? Um, you know, COVID has, has blessed us and cursed us at the same time. I was supposed to have inventory. Um, we have a list of customers waiting for our seats. And I promise these seats um, nine months ago. We were supposed to have these seats in the U.S. nine months ago. Uh, my manufacturing is done in China. Everything is done in China. Uh, basically, there is a dispenser inside of my seat. So any kind of uh, soap dispenser or any kind of dispenser that you see, paper towels, it's all done in China. Nothing is done here in the U.S. So, um, you know, it's delayed production for me. Um, the COVID is just, I'm just up every night with China, two, 3 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, I want to strangle someone because I have so many customers <laughs> waiting, for, waiting for the seats and, you know, production has just been delayed. But, you know, it's blessed our company, not, not because, you know, we're claiming that we can kill COVID and, you know, but everyone is going to be wiping down surfaces and, and, and being aware of, of, you know, what they're doing in public for the next two or three years. And so our, that's what our product does. You know, it, it gives you a cleaner restroom experience. So it's, it's blessed us and it's cursed us. Um, but definitely when we get our, you know, when, when we get our first set of in, inventory here, um, it, you know, they're already sold. It's going to blow up. We had to uh, pivot into selling uh, hand sanitizer and multi-surface spray. We have a, a travel size hand sanitizer. Our, our customers are airports. We have uh, three huge airports that have been waiting for our seats. So we we have been selling a travel size, 3.3 uh, ounce travel size sanitizer. So, you know, women, we hear our uh, products to women. They can carry in their purse a multi-surface spray that they can carry in their purse. So they go sit down at a counter or, you know, to eat somewhere with their kids. They can spray the uh, multi-surface spray that, you know. So it, it um, we have to pivot and uh, we're doing well in those sales, but we're our future product, the toilet seat. Uh, we're just waiting for those, those seats to come in. Awesome. Well, that's yet again, another uh, good lesson to take away is just the importance of pivoting. So I guess, how has that helped you? Or I guess it's helped tremendously, but what are your thoughts on just this whole idea of, of being able to pivot? And what would you say to those listening in who might need to pivot? Change, right? Things will change. The path will change and you need to adapt to change. We, you know, I was sitting here talking to, um, my formulator. So our toilet seat, we use a, 
a cartridge that goes into the seat, and that's how we make our money, right? We're really not in the toilet seat business. We are, but we're in the chemical business. So every month, the businesses that order our seats or purchase our seats, they will purchase a chemical, sanitizing chemical that goes into the seat. So, that, you know, we're in the chemical business. So I was talking to my formulator early on in March, and she was like, listen, I'm selling like 20,000 units a day of sanitizer. You need to get into this into this uh, market. You know, so I put together a label. I stayed up all night on Photoshop putting together a label. I sourced uh, 15,000 bottles from China that shipped over in a month. Um, I got the uh, formula for a good smelling sanitizer, not one that smells like tequila or rubbing alcohol. And we put this product together and in two months, we're up and running and selling sanitizer. Then a month later, um, I saw a need for multi-surface spray. So stayed up all night, got the, the labels done for the multi-surface spray, made sure that everything was um, okay with EPA and FDA. Um, and I just have to pivot, you know, our company was waiting on these seats. We weren't making any money and I had to figure out a way to start bringing in, in, in some money and some sales. So we had to pivot, but you know, that's COVID is just one experience for pivoting. I, um, uh, I had, I have, I've gotten a lot of, um, times where I've been punched in the gut, punched Mike Tyson says, you know, you don't have a, nobody, uh, what, what's the line? Nobody has a, um a plan until you get punched in the face or something like that. I've been punched in the face multiple times through this journey. Um, and I've had to pivot because of those experiences. Um, we had a pilot in Ontario airport in California and I, and I took my seats in there and um, they were prototypes and they, they started malfunctioning and they didn't work. And um, you know, the, the airport was like, you know, come get your seats out of here. These don't work. And it was the most embarrassing thing. But, you know, from that, I had to pivot, make sure that all the issues that I had, you know, I corrected, I, I made sure that we fixed. And, and, you know, instead of lying on the ground and not getting up, you know, get up and, and pivot and learn from these mistakes, learn from these experiences. So throughout this whole journey, you know, I, I, it feels like every you know, every month, every, every, every other month, I'm pivoting on something because of the experiences of, of this, of this journey. Well, and something else that you shared that I can definitely appreciate is you seem to be kind of a one man team in a lot of those situations. Like a lot of the people I come into contact with, they, they have teams that do the Photoshop stuff, right? They have teams of people that are like, Hey, I, I, if you want to make a post, go through my, my assistant, if you want to schedule something, go through this booking manager. Um, and you seem to be doing a lot of it kind of on your own, which is, I think eventually you'll have a team for sure, but it's really cool to see that you're doing the hard work, you're grinding, you're doing things on your own. Um, and then in regard to pivoting still, I'm hoping that you are, uh, you know, you're okay to share this story. If not, like I'll edit this part out, but um, I would love to hear the story about like what happened to you with Shark Tank and like the the yeah. transition from, you know, your job to, to what you do now. Um, because I've heard from, you know, some of the, some of our mutual friends that you uh, were, were either on Shark Tank or in, in talk with Shark Tank. So I'd love to hear your story with that. 
Yeah. Oh, man. What a story. So when I went to go try for Shark Tank, they make you sign this form. And it says one of the one of the rules is that you can't be running for elected office while on the network. And so I didn't think I was going to make it right. I was like, oh, let me let me go try this show. And I signed the documents. Right. And the same year I was up for reelection. No one was running against me. Um, I, done, I, I think I had done a pretty good job. Nobody, you know, I was the only elected official that um, had no opponent. So I made it so far into the show uh, out of 42,000 people that had um, applied for the show, I was number 92. And wow. um, they were, they were um, buying my set. We were going over my pitch. I was getting ready to go down to Hollywood. And they said, Rob, you signed this document, but you're still an elected official. You can't come on the show. You need to choose. You either choose your job and you stay there and don't come on the show or you need to quit. So I quit. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take the risk. I'll quit my job. And I, you know, I let them know I quit my job. It's all in the papers from St. George, Utah to Seattle to Tri-Cities, Washington, Elected official quits job to take chance on Shark Tank for to this toilet seat run, right? Oh my <laughs> gosh, all over the paper. And everyone is all getting all excited. And then I get the call a week before I'm supposed to go down there that they cut me, that they found another company to take my place. And listen, I was way early. The, the first prototype that they saw was this huge, you know, the, the big handicap looking seat. It's like this thick and it goes... My seat looked like this. It, it was like the first prototype. And, and they, they had said, Rob, sorry, we found a company that have been running for three years now. They have sales. Um, and sorry, the producers cut you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Everybody thought I was going on a show. I, I was banking on the show like, oh, my, I'm, I'm about to be a millionaire. You know, I was so young in the game. I was like, if I'm in Shark Tank, I'm an instant millionaire. And when they told me the news, I was depressed, man. I was depressed. I got punched in the gut for like two, three weeks. I was just didn't know what to do. I quit my job. Um, you know, I had benefits. I, I was a, a high paid elected official and I had quit that all. Um, and I had a family of five for this chance to go on Shark Tank and they had cut me. Um, so three weeks later, you know, after the, the depression, you know, took a back seat, I was like, you know what, it's time for me to go full time. If I'm not going to go full time with my company, it will never launch. It will never, you know, be successful. You know, it, it had to happen. And it was a blessing that that Shark Tank had cut me because if I would have went on the show and, you know, I had I was I had very little knowledge of being an entrepreneur then and, and about companies, about equity. I would have probably given up over half of my company and, you know, given a deal to anyone. I would have said yes for any deal because I was so desperate, right? And I, and, and I thought that would have been the right choice at the time. But now looking back, you know, if I was to go on the show, they, they still keep in touch with me. They send me emails and, hey, Rob, how's the company doing, blah, blah, blah. If I was to go on the show today, I probably wouldn't even make a deal because I know how much my company's worth today. Um, so it was, you know, it was the worst thing that had happened to me. It was the first thing that the punch in the face that, that like I quit everything and I, on this one chance and it didn't happen. 
but it was a blessing in disguise because all kinds of things happened from him. I, I got to go full-time with my company. And, and if I hadn't gone full-time then, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, I've been grinding it out for the last two years. Um, it also gave me a huge publicity from St. George, Utah to, you know, Washington. It's all in the newspaper. Tons of people started following my journey. A lot of eyes were on my product. Um, the, the company Potty, uh, Squatty Potty contacted me. The CEO of Squatty Potty calls me, says, Rob, we love the idea. Come down to St. George, Utah and meet with us. We want in. Uh, do you know the company Squatty Potty? Yeah, yeah. And I've seen them. They were on Shark Tank, right? They were on Shark Tank, one of Shark yeah. Tank's biggest, biggest successes, you know, a huge success for Shark Tank. And um, so they call me. So I go down there for three days, you know, they give them the spiel. They show me their headquarters and, and these guys are just filthy rich. I meet the owners and, and, it, and it was a good experience. But, you know, towards the end, they're like, Rob, we, we need over half of the company. We need we need to run this company. So at that point, I was like, I got something. If these guys want over half of the company, I got something. So, it, you know, a lot of things happened for me because of Shark Tank. I didn't make the show. They still keep in contact with me. I don't know if I'd ever, I don't need the show anymore. But um, yeah, it was a, it was an experience, man. So definitely a, a good and bad experience for me. Yeah. Another one of those moments you brought up about just getting punched in the gut and having to pivot. You know, that one was a pretty extreme one because then you were without a job and you were literally starting from scratch, which is just insane. So I'm glad you've been yeah. able to kind of pull through. But it, I, I had, you know, the worst thing about it is I had three small children, me and my wife, and um, I quit the job with the ultimate benefit package, right? Government benefits, like full health coverage, uh, Percy retirement, you know, and I could have been the an elected official until 60 years old. I could have did it and, and retired. You know, I had given it all up to make Shark Tank and I didn't make it. The, the funniest story is, is me walking into the Venetian hotel with a toilet bowl. Um, CES, <laughs> Consumer Electronics Show, right? The biggest, the biggest tech show uh, in the world was in Vegas, right? And Shark Tank auditions was in the middle of CES. So I, I uh, drive down to, I drive to Boise from Pocatello, Idaho, three hours to pick up a prototype. And I drive from Vegas, I mean, to Boise to Vegas, which is probably about six to eight hours in one day to, to make it to Shark Tank. And, and I get there and uh, it's in the Venetian Hotel and I have a, a toilet bowl and, a, and my toilet seat in the car and I'm, and I'm pushing it on a push cart in the Venetian Hotel. And I'm like, thousands and thousands of people are looking at me with a toilet bowl and a toilet seat and it's just the most embarrassing thing and i took the risk i was like before i opened the door to, to put the toilet bowl and the toilet seat on the push cart i was like oh my gosh am i really doing this am i really gonna embarrass myself you know and, and everybody's gonna see me with this toilet bowl in the casino going up you know to ces where all these tech products are and I was like, you know what, the hell with it, I'm going to do it. And, um, and I got the opposite reaction. They didn't laugh. They were, they were like curious, what is this guy doing with a toilet bowl? And what, what is that toilet seat on there? And that's how I got onto Shark Tank. That's how the producers saw me. I'm like, oh, we need this guy. You know, this guy's pitch is good. We love his product. You know, 
that we need him on the show. So the opposite effect, when I was uh, about to you know, not open the door and put my product on a push card and, you know, just call it quits, I took, I took another leap and said, you know what, I'm going to risk the, the embarrassment of it. Who cares? I'm going to go in there and I'm going to kill it. And I got to do this for my family because I don't have a job now. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's uh, the, the things that I've been through, man. It, it definitely uh, could write a book or get a movie about it. <laughs> you should definitely do that. I think that'd be, honestly, that'd be a really hilarious scene too. If you walk into the Venetian <laughs> hotel and people just staring at you. Um, you mentioned something too about how that's how Shark Tank saw you and was like, oh my gosh, like we got to have him on the show. I think what a lot of people don't realize is these shows, like not just Shark Tank, but just reality TV in general, sometimes it's not necessarily people who auditioned even. It's like these TV shows, these TV networks, they have recruiters and they literally go find people for the show that they think would be yeah. a good fit. So I experienced that too. I, I got, uh, you know, offered a spot on America's Got Talent. And I was like, uh, I didn't think that's how it worked. <laughs> I, thought <you> <laughs> went, I thought you went, went and auditioned and went through this whole big process. And uh, what happened when I went viral is they wanted me to beatbox with a McDonald's cup, obviously hands over the logo because we didn't get a McDonald's. <laughs> like they, weren't, they weren't working with McDonald's, but uh, had to cover the logo. So they wanted me to just beatbox with a cup um, before and after a commercial, they were going to use the clips. And then they were just like, hey, we love what you do. Like you could come be a contestant and this is what it'll work. And this, is, this is how it'll work. This is what it'll look like. And I just was mind blown. I was like, that's not how I thought TV, this, this TV show specifically worked. I thought it was people who went and auditioned, which it is that too. But I just, sometimes you might be looking at someone who's competing, who was brought there by the producers. No, exactly that. When I went on to Shark Tank um, and, and just because it's a show, they said, oh, it, your product really doesn't matter. Your business says really doesn't. It's 80% personality, 20% product. So they, they want you. I mean, if you watch a show, you see all kinds of crazy, weird people, you know, on the show. And it's it's what drives ratings, right? They don't want any boring tech people on the show. Um, and, and so when they told us that, everyone brings out their costumes. I got a toilet seat, you know, so it it, it it's set up for reality TV. Yeah. It is crazy to to have that knowledge. And I'm sure that'll be kind of, I hope some of the listeners are laughing right now, just, just understanding <laughs> how some of these things work. But it is unfortunate that, you know, you quit your job and then put all your eggs in that basket and it ended up not working out. But at the same time, it sounds like it really helped you, really helped you go all in, really helped you jump off the cliff and just totally commit to doing this, which has been super beneficial for Washi and for you and for your family. Yeah, it definitely has, man. I, I tell people, you know, through this journey, a lot of entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs contact me and, and say, what's the first step? And, and I always tell them, listen, if you're not going to um, go through with your idea or, you know, put some action into your idea, you're going to sit on the couch and one day see your idea on TV and somebody else is going to do it because, you know, everyone um, will think of these ideas. It's not just you. It's the first one to do it. It's the first one to put to, you know, put some action to it. First one to market. And I tell them, just jump. You know, you don't, you, 
can't really plan the path. You can as much as you can, but the path will will take you down um, this road that you've never dreamed of. And and it's been good for me. You know, I've I've learned so much from this path. I I would never trade this experience, even though I've gone knocked down, even though you know I've put tons of my own money into it. Um, things have been on the line all the time. I would never trade this experience. I would never go back to a nine to five. I always bank on myself and count on myself to, you know, make my own money to, um, you know, be an entrepreneur. So the first, you know, the first um, advice I give to people is, listen, just jump. You just need to go, you know, plan it out, go as, you know, plan it out as much as you can and then jump. Yeah. And you can just be making plans as you go, right? Just constant, constant pivoting and adapting. And um, I think you said something earlier too, along this, this line of um, just always bank on yourself too. Like how you mentioned when you first, if you first would have gone to Shark Tank when it was all planned to, uh, you would have just taken any deal. And now, you know, like, what this is capable of and what your potential is and you you're going to be smarter about future deals and stuff like that and i think that that's really cool like sometimes as especially as new creatives and entrepreneurs and whatever you get that that uh golden prize kind of mentality or ooh shiny thing like i want the next big thing the next big shiny thing right and you get that first real opportunity and you just want to go all in and take whatever happens and just just jump into that experience. But uh, it's a good reminder to always be focused on on like what is best for you, what's best for your business, what you think it's worth, like how you're going to make it work for you. If what they're offering is a good deal or not, because I know, again, with TV shows, not to bring all this stuff back into it, but with TV shows, there's contracts and legal things that are very scary to get into. And you could be throwing a ton of future opportunities away by signing that piece of paper uh, that you're going to be like exclusive to a certain TV show or something. So that's a really good lesson too. Like if you're someone who's getting a taste of success and like you need, uh, or you're getting offered all these opportunities, just be careful about what opportunities you say yes to. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, I have, I've had some experiences where, um, you know, in the beginning I was looking for people to partner with me. I, I don't know why I, I look for these people um, because all along I could have done it. I could do it myself. I, in the beginning, the confidence wasn't there, right? The confidence of, you know, why am I in toilet seat sales? Like, I have never done this in my life. I need to find some people. And and Google and YouTube have been the biggest help ever. You know, I I have read so many um, articles and books on on toilet seats, the restroom industry. You know, that's all the help I've needed. I've I've counted on myself to do everything. And and like you said, I'm a one man team. I I have a an assistant, but I do everything. The CEO of the company is on the floor installing toilet seats in a public restroom at the airport, the most disgusting thing ever. But I would never make anyone else do that until I I knew myself what it felt like, you know, what it, what it takes to do that. You know, I wouldn't send anyone to do that job unless I had experienced it myself or so I, I banked on my, myself made, made sure that 
I, I do everything first and then I build my company around it. Um, yeah, so it, it's been a good confidence builder. You know, it's taken me uh, five years in the making. I, I filed for a patent in 2018 and, and I was issued the patent and that's kind of when I went, you know, full go. And even that, getting a patent and, and, um, and getting an attorney and reading and, and trying to do this all by myself, it's been, it's been a lesson. Like, Robbie, you know, you can do this by yourself. You don't need to share this company with anyone. You, you, just do it yourself. Go find out how to do this thing. I love that. Well, and since this is, um, I, I usually talk about this part at the very beginning too, but since this is like heavily like a pursuing what you're passionate about kind of uh, podcast, personal development podcast, what would you say, I guess, is your ultimate passion? Like, it seems hard to, to believe that maybe toilet seats are your passion, right? But um, maybe just like entrepreneurship is your passion. Like, what would you say is is what keeps you going every single day? Yeah, my passion is being creative. I I love to to come up with new ideas, new ways to do things. I'm a creative person. I became a creative person. Um, because I was, we weren't rich when I was a kid. I was poor. So anything in the fridge, I, I'm a master chef when it comes to leftovers. My <laughs> wife is like, man, you can cook anything. I, I can grab, uh, you know, if, if there's no food in the house, I can grab all kinds of stuff and make this this meal, this you know, this five star meal um, out of nothing. And I and I became, I felt like you know, my mom uh, taught me how to be be creative. You know, if you don't have things. Um, be creative and, and, and figure it out. Right. And, and that's always stuck with me. Um, so my passion is being creative, helping um, uh, companies or um, um, entrepreneurs uh, start things. Um, you know, sales is not my deal. Um, being a leader and CEO of a company is my deal. Being creative and innovative is my deal. Um, but you know, I know my strengths and weaknesses. I, I tell everyone after I sell this company, it's toilet seats is not my deal, right? I would never in a million years thought I would be in the toilet seat business. If I would have looked, you know, when I was a kid and I said, Oh, you know, what am I going to be when I grow up? It would have never been toilet seat sales, but you know, it, it's, it's becoming an entrepreneur. And I, and I, I tell uh, my friends that, you know, when I sell this company, cause you know, that's the, the, the plan is to exit. When I sell this company, I will, um, you know, create an accelerator of my own ideas. I have built pages and pages of ideas. I pick three ideas, hire three CEOs to run the ideas um, and, and go from there. I, I love to build companies. I've always had side hustles, you know, and being innovative and creative is, is, is what, what I do best leadership. I bring a lot of leadership to the team. Um, but uh, yeah, that's just this kind of what I, I like to do. Awesome. Well, just real quick, lastly, before we get into this next segment, the upbeat seat, um, last words, like last words for the podcast, like what you'd want to share with aspiring entrepreneurs. I know you mentioned to just go to take the jump, but what would you say to those people listening who maybe are afraid to take that leap and just need that extra nudge to get started on their projects? Yeah, mo most people are afraid because they're afraid of what their family and friends and their peers would say about their their journey. Um, don't listen to them. Listen to, you know, this sounds corny, but man, listen to your heart. Listen to 
what you want to be in life. Screw, screw the rest of them. Uh, just jump, jump and do it by yourself. You can do it. Um, I've done it multiple times and, and Washi has been the, the most successful out of all those jumps. You fail, 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 and then you succeed and then you fail again, right? Um, it's just the way we learn how to do things and, and improve and get better. And, and so the ultimate, the, the number one you know, thing I tell entrepreneurs is just go, just do it. Um, I always tell people, I can't stop, won't stop until I win. And that's the attitude to have, learn from your experiences and jump. Perfect. Good way to end. Uh, and Rob, what makes you upbeat? I'm a, I'm a upbeat person, man. <laughs> I'm always gotta, you know, my mom, my mom and dad uh, gave me the gift, a, a gift of uh, always um, getting along with people, making people feel comfortable, uh, being the center of attention when we're in groups, uh, you know, and not really a center of attention, but I like to make sure that everybody's taken care of. And, um, you know, I, I, that's just the attitude I have. Uh, and it's, it's why my company has been successful. Nobody wants to know about toilet seats. They want to know about who, who's Rob Polecki and what's Rob doing? What's Rob doing next? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a beat because that's just who I am. <laughs> Hospitable. That's <laughs> one of my favorite words to say. <laughs> Sounds like you're <laughs> yeah. hospitable. You treat treat people well and let the experience kind of revolve about around them too. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I mean, and people have said this, when we're in a room, I make sure that everyone is included because maybe when I was a kid, I wasn't the kid that was included. But um, yeah, that's just me. Sweet. Uh, who is your number one influence or inspiration? My parents. My parents are um, immigrants to two countries. They uh, did not speak a lick of English, moving from the island of Samoa to New Zealand, from New Zealand to Hawaii, um, and, and taking the leaps. You know, they saved so much money for our family to uh, get a better life. You know, they took so many risks. They did not speak English uh, and they learned. They, um, they run their own companies by, you know, entrepreneurs themselves. So, so my parents. Awesome. Uh, what music do you listen to to stay upbeat and motivated? My kids are into TikTok. So I've been watching a lot of TikTok to make sure that they don't listen, to, you know, to anything that's bad. But um, I, I listen to local Hawaiian music um, and, and some hip hop rap here and there. Nice. Uh, what's something that happened this week? I know we're recording this on a Monday, so you could reach into last week if you want to. But what's something that's happened recently that you're you're proud of? Um, last week, we finally got the uh, green light from all engineers, uh, two manufacturing um, companies and my engineer uh, here in the U.S. to move full speed with our our design, no more design changes. So we are into manufacturing and awaiting our seats to get here uh, by the end of the year. Awesome. That's great news. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> that is good news. What's a, what's a favorite word of yours? Bro. <laughs> bro? Anytime, anytime I meet somebody, what's up, bro? Uh, you know, it, it's a way to um, uh, be more personable. Even I, I say to my kids, bro, what are you doing? Or what's up, bro? So I use bro a lot. Uh, do you guys have a favorite TV show right now? You and you and your family? 
Um, we're we're on Netflix. We watch a bunch of um, um, series on Netflix. We're watching um, Friday Night Tikes, a little football show. Nice, love that. I haven't seen that, but I love football, so I'd probably enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, it's about it's about these parents that go overboard with coaching uh, in Texas. They're coaching, you know, fourth and fifth grade kids, and they just go overboard with football. Awesome. Uh, favorite social media platform and where people can connect with you. And also, if you want to share uh, Washi's links, how people can go check out Washi. Yep, I'm huge on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me, just Rob Pilecki. Search me. I'm the only Rob Pilecki there is in this world. Um so I'm easy to find, but then you can find us on IG and Facebook. Just search uh, Washi Products. And um, if you want to go check out our seat, washiproducts.com. Awesome. Well, per usual for this podcast, I close out by beatboxing the guest name. You might not hear it on Zoom. Uh, it's been cutting out lately, but I'll show it to you after if it does cut out. <laughs> uh, but okay. I'll beatbox, beatbox your name real quick. <clears throat> All right. Dude, you're the man. I was going to join in, but I'm like, no, I'm not even that good, so I'm not going to ruin it. <laughs> Do you beatbox too? <laughs> uh, you know, I can, I can, I got a little something, something, but you know, it's not that good, so I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> okay. Sounds good, man. Well, thank you very much, Rob, for being on Upbeats. I appreciate it. Parker, thanks for having me, man. Good to meet you. This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Subscribe at parkerk.co.